Welcome to Trail Angels. It's Annette and Mark Anderson, and we are so excited to have Meredith Alexander with us today. Welcome, Meredith. Thank you so much. I'm so excited to be here with all of you. Meredith is a best-selling author, powerhouse mompreneur, and top female motivational speaker who has become known for inspiring high-level professionals and entrepreneurs to venture beyond the place where their beliefs stop them. All thanks to a plummeting boulder that changed her old normal into the destiny that she embraces now. She challenges you to explore the boundaries of endless possibilities, positive expectations, and deliberate creation. With the remarkable life and death challenges that were laid firmly at her feet, she learned that it's these tiny individual seeds of greatness that live waiting to be cultivated within our own minds. Then as we master our own mindset and discover the real beauty within our own story, we become free to empower others and to go on to create impossible things. Mm -hmm. Meredith, I am so excited to have you on today and so excited to learn more about your story. And this phrase, these tiny individual seeds of greatness. You know, um, one of my one of my loves has always been uh, writing, and I feel like sometimes these these visions or these words come almost like colors of on on a on a painting, for example. And that's that was something that that phrase actually came to me when I was sitting in the chapel in Miami. But um, I won't kind of jump ahead with that. Uh, It it really started for me, uh, really feeling like I think just an ordinary, overwhelmed single mom. And I was in the middle of a busy season in my seasonal uh, business. And it was a Friday afternoon. And all of a sudden, the phone rang. And I was heading out to walk my dogs. And so I looked at my phone, and it was a very strange number. And I almost didn't pick it up. But it's that it's it's the messages from above that, you know, I had to pick up this up, that this was a moment where my life was changing. And from the moment that I answer that. And I heard the inhale on the other end of the line. I knew at some level and the voice on the other end of the line said, I don't know how to tell you this, but Skylar, my youngest daughter had been in a terrible accident while she was in Columbia, South America. So she had been on a fellowship from Yale working with the Native population. She had just finished one segment where she built a school and was getting ready to move into another segment, working with this village of weavers. And um, she, this her future boss, who was a couple years older than than she was, the two girls decided to go on an adventure in Colombia for a couple of weeks before they dove in. And the day before they were leaving, they went on a whitewater rafting. Uh, adventure. And they went through the treacherous part and uh, got to this beautiful grotto with this whole group of tourists. And there was a diving ledge. And so they all, but they had to kind of climb up a cliff in order to get to it. So it was kind of precarious. And uh, they all made it up and they jumped down. And of course, everyone decided they wanted to do it again. So they started heading back up and somehow someone ahead of her a little higher up in the cliff their foot slipped and it dislodged a boulder mm-hmm. the boulder came crashing down cracked open sky's skull and knocked her off the cliff onto the rocks below so by the time i got the call uh she was being operated on it taken them an hour to get them to get her you know little body back into the raft get the raft to the shore get her then up the side of this mountain because the mountains in Columbia are unbelievable. Get her to this dirt road where the the van for the rafting company was. Drive her forty five minutes over this dirt road to get her to a road where the ambulance can pick her up, and then to get her to a hospital 
um, that could care for her because in Colombia, not every hospital has an ICU. They're privately owned. So it was kind of the first miracle on the, on the journey. Um, other than the fact that she even made it because the doctors later told me that four of her injuries, not just one of them, but four of them typically were so severe that the, the victim didn't make it to the hospital, much less survive an hour to get there. So, um, here I was getting this call that I needed to go down to Colombia and potentially return with the body of the young woman who I had just spoken with the night before. It was it was a crazy moment, as I know you all have experienced. My heart aches for you. Um, I know what those phone calls are like. Yeah. But I... You know, when you talk about the miracles of having a hospital and that being the first miracle, I was thinking all along as you were reading or not reading, but just talking to us and sharing your story, there were multiple miracles. I got to the point, Annette, I got to the point where um, I said to people regularly, I would be more surprised if the miracles didn't show up. And, And here's what I felt was really a, the defining shift for me at, as because the beauty of the situation was that this quote unquote accident did not happen in, in Tampa where we are. I had to get on, on a plane, in fact, multiple planes. And I really discovered that there's no better place to ask yourself some powerful questions than at 30,000 feet, literally in the heavens. Right. And, um, and not just to ask myself, but to ask God, universe, you know, the typical question, why me? Why us? Why Skylar? Right. And um, and so as, as I, I probably don't even have to tell you that I just felt like my mind was consumed in all of these negative emotions and it was anger. It was grief. It was despair. It was frustration, blame, just about every emotion you can imagine. But as I sat there on the plane, I realized that the worst emotion of all of them was feeling powerless to help Skyler because there's nothing, as you guys know, when you love someone and especially when that someone is your child, feeling powerless is just not acceptable. It's like not an option that you've got to try to do everything to figure out how to get something back that can somehow help Somehow. And so um, as I sat there, I began asking myself uh, how much power I was willing to give this boulder. Right. Was I going to because Skylar, mind you, at this point was 22 years old, but she had already done more to really live her dreams than most people do by the time they're 80. So she had taught English to monks in Nepal, she had um, traveled to Tanzania, et cetera, et cetera. So was I going to give the boulder the power to erase all that and force me forward, defining myself simply as the mother of a child who'd been tragically killed by a boulder? Or would I choose to go forward holding her legacy strong and saying that I and the mother of a child who in just 22 years made a p- powerful positive impact on the world. And clearly the answer was the latter. And I knew from decades of having studied what I call the inner game, that there had to be a way to get my power back. And the and I may not be able to control the outer game, but I sure as heck could play a mean inner game. And so as I sat there on that plane, for Skylar's sake, I said, game on. I don't know what this is going to look like, but I I am getting I am getting my power back. And and that's that. You were all in. Oh yeah. And and I and I keep thinking the verbiage might be a little bit different in what I have felt, what we have felt and we have discussed, but what you're saying are choices we made. Yes. Those choices to be in the game. We didn't know what 
it was going to look like. But we were there and we were there to do everything we could do and to like, like you, you know, we're not going to lose this incredible legacy and what had been accomplished and, and moving forward. And I love that Skylar is still having an impact Yes, throughout the world, very different than what she was doing or what she planned, but possibly more powerful more yeah. impactful. It's funny that you should you should say that Annette because one of the things that um that I really really believe is that we are born onto this planet with a destiny. And whether you believe it comes from God, God universe, source, whatever that means to you, I I firmly believe we come here with a a potential, a mission that we can choose to fulfill or we can struggle by not fulfilling it. Um, And yet sometimes when you come with a really powerful mission, I think it's the things in nature, diamonds or, or, you know, the butterfly has to endure the cocoon before they burst through. There are certain things that we would not deliberately force upon ourselves. And yet it's kind of asking it is given. If that is your mission, then I believe that God universe will help you put these components in place. And sometimes I believe that the missions intersect and with you, Annette and Mark and your son, I believe with Skylar and me, we were aligned in our desire to to help to make a positive impact. Sky's always had the desire to make a positive impact. I've always had a desire, and yet we never really knew what that would look like or how to execute that or what that would mean. And it really is not in spite of this boulder that we have succeeded. It's thanks to this boulder to your point that we were able to become that bolder version of ourselves and really accelerate and succeed. So this bolder in this crazy way, because we embraced it rather than ran and were afraid of it, embraced it, it has become a partner in that legacy and in what we have yet to impact and achieve. I'm sitting here here listening to to this story and, uh, you know, it it brings back our own emotions and and uh, it's it's a powerful story. And sometimes we we talk about uh, big rocks and little rocks. What are the big rocks Mm -hmm. in your life and what are the little rocks in your life? And uh, literally, this is a uh, culmination of a big rock story here. And. You know, I, I'm just curious as I'm as I'm listening to you here. You made a very conscious decision while you were traveling to to uh, Colombia, and as I'm thinking about that, I'm thinking that that didn't happen. That decision that you made to make a conscious decision didn't happen on the plane. Mm-hmm. It, it happened so many years probably before that. And and I guess my question is very simply what. Do you believe it took for you as you as you were living your life to be in a position that you would be able to deal with things the way that you did? Because, you know, we all have big rocks in our lives, whether we want to admit it or not. If you if you were to go from one person to another, they would all tell us stories of big rocks Mm -hmm. that they've had in their lives. And very often someone makes a decision based on the here and the now versus what happened before. How, how did you make that uh, decision based upon what you had already thought and done in your life? This is just such, such a great point, Mark. And um, it, it, they're literally, when we were able to experience three days of miracles and, and, and we had gotten her to Miami, been able to fly her to Miami, I was sitting in that chapel at the same time that I mentioned earlier, I was sitting in the chapel and I was staring at this beautiful stained glass. And, um, and I was looking, I was 
looking back over my own life and there had been a couple of incidents that had, even though I knew I should feel grateful for them, it had been impossible to feel gratitude. And there were a couple of incidents in my life that felt impossible to forgive, even though I, I knew I wanted to, but I, I just, it, it, they were that hateful to me. And I do, and I don't, use that word very often, but it was such a wound. And as I sat there in that chapel, literally the tears started rolling down my eyes. And I, you know, I feel that emotion again, because I realized the beauty of the gift that I hadn't recognized at the time. It was like when you come out of the front door on this beautiful dewy morning and it's you're staring and you're seeing the plants and the flowers and you take one more step and all of a sudden there's this magnificent spider web that one step earlier you had not been able to see. And I realized, I look back, there was one time in my life when I had been in an abusive relationship and it had felt like it destroyed who I was at one point. And it was so painful to live. And yet it had led me into a bookstore where all of a sudden this one book, wham, fell on the ground and it said, ask and it is given. And it was Abraham Hicks. And I, my curiosity was definitely piqued. And I opened the book and I started in the middle and the words and the ideas were so magnificent that I became a devotee and it became part of my inner game studying And it was thanks to these quote unquote hateful times in my life, the gift, the profound gift of having lived through those and experienced the exact emotions, the exact frustration, feeling the victim and having to decide whether I was going to emerge from this and how I was going to emerge from this. Those times were the gift And had I not experienced those, I would not have been capable of being the mom that my daughter needed. And so I was so, it was such a profound realization that then I looked at this boulder and I thought to myself, oh my gosh, if those horrendous things in my life have proven to be such a gift, who am I to judge this with my mere mortal comprehension of this? And I literally, started asking myself new and better questions. And, and that is where this solid, solid inner game just really went forth. And it, I, I describe this as the feeling of looking deliberately looking for thoughts that feel a little bit better. And so that inch, inch me from despair to a little bit of hope and then from hope to belief, but even belief has a crack in it. So I had to keep going with thoughts that I could genuinely believe these had to be believable. And then, then all of a sudden it's stumbling across that place where I believe all miracles are triggered and some might call it faith, but it was this feeling of such clarity and such calm. And dare I say, this is going to sound like a really nonsensical word in this situation, but happy because it was as if I had been lifted up and placed five years ahead. And I was able to see that everything was going to be fine, whatever that new fine would be, even if my daughter physically did not make it because the 22 years of inspiration and triggering whatever was going to come next could never be taken from me. I would, I would never, I would never bury that. She would always be with me and I had become part of her legacy. So, so you went from a, a why mentality to a what mentality, it sounds like. And, and, and I, every time I hear Every time we hear stories of perseverance, stories of uh, being able to adapt and to grow and to learn and to, and by the way, it's not nonsensical at all. Mm-hmm. The, the ability to smile and to, and to find peace and joy. That's, 
we believe a higher power allowing us to to gain the uh, insights that we need that will make us better people. And I remember having a conversation with Mark saying, I know everything's going to be fine. Fine might not be what we really want. Right. But it's going to be fine. Yes. And, um, and fine meaning, you know, our son, we did bury our son. Yes. But we are fine. He is fine. He is happy. And this legacy is living on. Yes. And there's beauty in that. And so when you said this happiness, there was this peace and, and happiness about us amid the sorrow. It was, it was kind of this, it was different for sure, but it was beautiful. Yes. Yes. But but there was a reason why we're going down this rabbit hole a little bit. And, And it's because of the people that we have seen who have been strong, who have been able to make very conscious decisions. You know, quick, quick story. I, I remember a time many years ago when <clears throat> my my uh, dear friend and cousin uh, was overpowered. He was a uh, he was a prison guard and he was overpowered by a prisoner that he was taking to a hospital. <clears throat> he uh, he took his gun out of his holster. The prisoner did and shot and killed my cousin. And, and it was a very tragic thing. And we lived in the same community. And I went immediately as we heard about what had happened, I immediately went to his home. Steve and Millie lived near us, less than a mile away. And as I was there, I was able to witness some things that I consider to be real miracles. Mm-hmm. I watched each of their five children walk into the house and embrace their mother. Mm-hmm. And as soon as the fifth child had walked in, the very first thing that they thought of doing was kneeling down at the couch and saying a prayer. Mm-hmm. And the prayer that was offered, I'll never forget. And uh, part of that prayer was, we pray peace on the family of the man that did this tor- horrible crime to our father. And I thought, what perspective? Yes. What 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 wisdom? And And I will tell you, many years later that as, as I witnessed that, that family is okay. And a lot of it has to do with their ability to be resilient even before the tragedy happened. Yes, yes, yes. You know, and it, and it's really interesting um, that when you find that place and trust the process or whether you, it's, you're trusting your God or your trusting your your inner being uh it, it's 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 an amazingly strong place um one of the i guess trail angels um in our story uh and there were quite a few but one of them was the father of uh one of skylar's close friends and ironically enough this young woman had almost died from a a brain disease a brain issue and skylar had rushed hundreds of miles to be at her hospital side uh and and brought her flowers and 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 helped her so this family of course was they reached out and they were integral in in helping behind the scenes arrange things while I arrange things in Columbia. And so the father happened to be on business in Miami when we arrived. And so he was bedside when um, the first time the, the neuro team, this was like the Olympians of neurosurgery in this hospital, they were known as the best team in the world. And when they came in and it was interesting, they later shared with me that, um, what they what they discovered and faced, if it wasn't the most complicated case they'd ever worked on, it was one of the top three. And so they came in, they all happened to be men and there were like five of them and they came in and they were pale when, when meeting me. And Sky was on this bed that was going like this because of the spinal injury and um, I mean, she, you know, her mouth was wired shut, her eyes were shut, she had no hair. I mean, it was amazing. And um, and they tried not to make eye contact with me, and they were, you know, looking at their charts and they were expressing how 
critical this is and what they were going to try to do. And um, Chris, the father, reminded me or, you know, tells the story. And I, I, you know, I remember this, but to me, it was nothing remarkable. To him, it was very remarkable. I stopped them and I said, my daughter is going to be fine, whatever fine looks like. You are the best of the best in the world. This is the best hospital. We have the best technology. Um, Sky's going to be fine. We just have to get her there, whatever that means. And they were stunned for a moment. But then you could see, like, it was almost like a tangible energy flow of that ickiness off of them, that fear, that terror, that too much responsibility. And their shoulders went back and they became who they were capable of being. And it was, um, it was really interesting because from it, you could feel the energy in the entire ICU start shifting just from holding that focus it started with me and then it it spread to my my other two children who were there and then it it started spreading to the staff and it was it was an amazing it was an amazing thing to to experience and to feel which is a great example of this ripple effect yes that we have on others yes and whether for negative or positive. Yes. If we, we carry, we carry that energy and, and I like to think, you know, you talked about this, this man being a trail angel for you. Mm -hmm. Well, this is a prime example of you actually being a trail angel for those who were going to care for your Mm -hmm. daughter. Mm -hmm. And by that, understanding and that acceptance that things were going to be fine, whatever that fine looked like, it was able to get that fear, help that to, to slough off. And I think of fear and I think of how it's, it destroys us and it, Mm -hmm. and it has this power over us. And how do you, I'm kind of shifting here a little bit, but you help so many people through through your coaching, through your books, and through your speaking engagements. Do you find that fear is one of those those roadblocks in that inner game? Oh yes, fear fear is huge, and um, it, it it's interesting because we are conditioned to fear fear. It is, it is simply a physiological sensation. It's actually energy that can prepare us to escape from a tiger if we need to. But all too often, there's a wonderful quote from, I, I believe it's the Will Smith movie, After Earth, and it's that fear is not real. Danger is real. But fear is basically the misuse of the imagination. Right, it's imagination, imagining things that have not yet happened and never will happen in most cases. Most a lot of people will mistake simple unfamiliarity for fear. And when we realize that everything that we believe we want is in that space of unfamiliarity, because if it was in part as part of our familiar experience, we wouldn't be saying that we want it, right? So unfamiliarity is our friend. We've just been conditioned to fear it. And yet, if you look at the reason that our, that humankind and emphasis on kind is still going is our ability to adapt, i.e. to change, to be flexible, to be resilient, to embrace change, to embrace our boulders. And somehow we've been conditioning ourselves to fear the very thing that is responsible for us still being here. Does that make sense? 
Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. It, it does. And, and you know, I've, I'm sitting here writing down notes here because you're absolutely right. Fear is a mu- the uh, misuse of the imagination. And and uh, as, as I as I listened to you, I, I was thinking of uh, a guest that we had probably about a month ago. Uh, that's a world traveler amidst all the other things that she does. And one of the things that I asked her was, if you could go anywhere in the world, where would you go? And she gave a rather profound answer, whether she was believing that she did or not. She said, I would go somewhere that I've never been before. Mm-hmm. And, and I think that uh, when, when we can get into that kind of a mind conditioning, that uh, we're willing to go somewhere where we've never been before, that's when we know that uh, maybe, maybe we are a little bit more resilient than we thought that we were. Mm-hmm. Yes, yes, yes. And, and you know what's interesting? Um, I, I believe, because I've... I believe that this is what I have seen in my life, especially in this experience with Skylar. So part of my fascination with studying the inner game, which truly preceded this for many, many years, um, and to a certain extent since I was a child, uh, was how some people would face these impossible crises and emerge as bigger, bolder versions of themselves. So part of that study led me to studying energy and understanding energy, not like a neuroscience. I am not mm-hmm. a scientist, um, nor do I have a PhD or anything like that in it. It's it's literally from my own physical experience, studying things like the Japanese art of Aikido, which it really there's part of it, it studies key and how energy moves. And so I realized very quickly that one of the worst things for my daughter would have would be all the people who are around the world who had heard about this, who were thinking, oh my God, we have to pray for Skylar. She's not going to make it. She's not going to make it. And they were envisioning her demise. And so I realized very quickly that th- this was not good, that we needed to rally up that energy and direct it and guide it to a place that actually could sow the seeds for greatness or a miracle, right? And so that's where I started writing, I started the page, Sky is the Limit, um, spelled like her name, S-C-H-U-Y, that ultimately became the book. Um, And it was, there there were no photos of her in the hospital, none. Uh, It was all these photos of her at her best traveling the world. And the posts were not, please pray for Skylar. These were posts like, look, if you want to cheer us on, you go out there and you be the best version of yourself. You live your dreams. You hug your family. You smile at strangers. And you do things that you thought were impossible. Find your own inner Skylar. That is what we would ask for. And so people were seeing this in real time as I had medically that the odds were that she wasn't going to make it. And yet here's this kind of chirpy mom saying, go out there and be the best version. But what was really interesting is that it started for about a hundred people, but they began sharing it with other, other people. So soon it was like thousands of people. And even um, the other day, two days ago in the grocery store, someone came up, and, and said, excuse me, are you Meredith? I've been following your story. And this is more than five years afterwards. She's like, you changed our lives. And she told me these stories. And this is where I got kind of the courage to start speaking about this, to actually start training people in this, to start coaching people in it. Because I would get stories of families that would that had been separated from each other that would reunite Um, a young man who apparently had been suicidal said, I love you to his parents for the first time in about five years, a woman who'd lost her sister in the tsunami, a a man who'd always had the uh, one dream of starting a, a, a pasta sauce company. It's that's now in whole foods. I mean, it, um, it was just, it was humbling and amazing. And, and, Initially, I had my own fear. I was afraid of being judged that I was trying to monetize my daughter's accident or something like that, and that there would be haters out there. Uh, And there have been. And yet what keeps me 
going and what is realizing that if there's one person who needs our message, who hears it, I call it actually seeing it with your real eyes and realizing that your own inner sky is limitless, then that's why we do it, right? We have to go out there and do this. With, with your real <laughs> eyes. You know, you know I, I know what Annette's thinking. She's thinking that she has gone through and we have gone through. Yeah. I mean, we, this, this is a different a chapter in the same book. I'm telling you what, <laughs> because our experiences have been the same. And that was approached in the grocery store, talking about the fact that uh, that uh, because of our son, Reed, her son is doing things differently now. And 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 we, we heard story after story of that. And so these are not unique, yes. but they're opportunities that allow us to to share in the midst of tragedy, the fact that some good can come from this. And... To see, to really see, to with those real eyes, to realize, you know, just what you just said. Often, you know, we put this smile on our face, and people will ask, "How are you doing?" Oh, I'm great, doing well. But inside, there's such turmoil, mm -hmm. and there's this sadness, and so many things going on. And and I don't know that. I was totally numb to this before, but I'm definitely, I have the eyes to see now. And I will stop people. And I'll say now, no, I really want to know. Yes. How are you behind this smile for real? And it's a completely different story. Mm -hmm. And when they know someone sees them, the, their eyes, you know, they, they well with tears, there becomes hope. That mm -hmm. someone really does see and care. And for me, there are some trail angels in my life that looked beyond my smile. Mm -hmm. I, I tend to laugh a lot when the more nervous I am, the more stressed out I am, I, I will laugh. And I've, I've got a loud laugh. And <laughs> it's one of my characteristics. And that's just how it is. But I still remember a, a woman that, that came to our home and she looked at me and I don't even really remember what she said, but I was standing at the door and she asked me something and I started just tears just started coming because mm -hmm. she really saw me. Mm -hmm. And, and I'm so grateful for that. And I'm grateful for these experiences that have taught me how to see. Yes. And then to, you know, go ahead and go forward and, and like you to, to recognize, you know, the sky is the limit. You know, we, with Karen, the load and trail angels, that, that fear is there. The haters are there and they wonder what you're doing. And I've had to push that, learn to push that aside and know that it's this seed It's the one person that's out there that needs to hear this one little message of hope. Yes. And that's what it's about. Yes. It's not about Annette. It's not about Mark. And I know it's not about Meredith as well. Right. And it's funny that um, Annette, that you mentioned the, <clears throat> the tears because a lot of, I don't intentionally reduce people to tears, but um, a lot of my clients do. They 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 end up crying, and 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 ironically enough, they apologize or oh, I'm so sorry. And and I always try to, you know, lovingly say that's perfect. It's perfect. It's the cleansing. It's the release. It's that it's, it's sowing the soil, right? I mean, it's, it's, it's giving the rain, it's giving the, the shine. And, and it really is to your point, taking the time to really see people and to really appreciate them in a way that they have been aching to feel appreciated that they haven't been given permission to do for themselves. 
and to finally transfer that power to give them like recalibrate, right? Reboot, give them that permission again to roar, you know, be that, be that person, that entity, that powerful spirit that you are intended to be. It's so powerful and important. And, and I often say that this boulder ironically did not come into our lives to teach us how to face death. It came to teach us how to choose to live with the message. Now go out there and freaking share this. <laughs> Regardless of the outcome. Regardless of the outcome. Yes. Yes. It's fun. Um, because another thing, you know, people, um, this guy used to be very conscientious or, or uh, self-conscious because um, people would stare at her scars, especially children. And sometimes kids would come over and literally ask about them. And she, I mean, she's, her middle name literally is, is happiness. It means happiness in Japanese. It's Sachi. But um, she's a joyous spirit. But she used to be a little self-conscious about that until we really started saying that our scars are the gems in the crown of our lives, right? They cry out that we were mightier than all of those things that tried to bring us down, right? And um, it really is sometimes these boulders that they are, I believe they are not here to destroy us. They are here to destroy the things that we have been allowing to keep us playing small. I'm, I'm just kind of in awe about this whole conversation. The healing that really came in my life. I mean, I was healing along the way and I felt like it was slow, but I was progressing. And, and I would often put timetables on myself and thinking, why, you know, why are we still where we're at? And then I was preparing to speak to a group of women and, and I was preparing, it was about being broken. Mm -hmm. And, and I had this, this visual memory of our son Reed with his scars and he had these, you know, the scar clear down and this big scar on his knee. And he was so proud of his scars. And they triggered me. He kept his hair short so you could see the scar because the hair didn't, you know, grow over. And he had this big, massive scar on his on his leg. And and all of a sudden I started thinking about my scars and how I hid my scars. I was ashamed of my scars, and I thought, wait a minute, you know, what's the difference of his versus mine. But when I realized the beauty, the gem, and that that scar made me who I was, those scars actually made me more. I became stronger, more beautiful because of mm-hmm. those boulders that created the scars. It, it, this complete mind shift. And then, you know, you talked about the stained glass in the chapel. And what's stained, what's stained glass? It's all broken pieces of glass. Right. But it's brought back together. The scars are the metal, the yep. precious metal. It yep. makes it more beautiful. Yes. Yes. And, and stronger. And so, I mean, it, all these things, but it, it took an understanding about those scars and myself of what it helped me become. Yes, I, um, as you probably have deduced, um, I have a love affair with words and I, because I believe the words hold a lot of clues and the word beautiful that you've used a couple of times is to me, it's be you till full and we're, we're never full. We're always, you know, the cup is never half empty. It was just the, the cup is always replenishing. And then even the word bolder, if you take the you out of it, in other words, when you get out of your own way, then and only then are you free to live that bolder version of yourself. Right. Wow. 
<laughs> you, you know, uh, we're, we're speechless. <laughs> you know, I, I, we, we have a course called From Broken to Beautiful. Mm. And, and uh, you know, you talk about stained glass. You talk about uh, scars. <clears throat> I got to tell you, uh, you and Annette are kindred twins. Um, I, <laughs> I'm thinking you, I've got to get to Florida. <laughs> this, this is this is scary. This is scary. You know, it, you both of you could be telling the very same story. Uh, different, and, different boulders, mm-hmm, but have taken us to the same place, if you will. You know, we were learning the same lessons along along this path. You talk about. Sky's middle name, and you know, Kintsugi, this Japanese art, this ancient Japanese art of putting the pieces back together with precious with, metal, with precious metal, yes. with gold. Yes, yes, yes. I love it. There's just, there's so many things here, and I love. You're, I love words now. I'm, I'm thinking of these words so differently. And this, you know, I keep saying beauty, but there's this beauty in words that I didn't understand. Yes. And I'm learning so much. And I know our listeners are going to mm-hmm. just be sitting there taking notes or, you know, replaying this this podcast because of the, the lessons in in this in this this conversation, Meredith, you shared a lot of uh, of personal thoughts and uh, introspections that you've had. There is is there anything one last thing that you'd like to share with our listeners there from what you've learned or what you've observed that would help them in in dealing with their own personal boulders? Sure, uh, you know, I mean, this is what. I love doing, I work with, with people every day of getting beyond their boulders. And, and I think the most important thing is that there is hope. This, to me, this boulder came with a lesson that every single one of us, regardless of the circumstance, has the power to unleash the most epic version of yourself blow past the fear, decide to do it, take the first step, reach out there. I know we were talking earlier and I have offered as a gift to your listeners that if they would like to hop onto a complimentary 20-minute strategy session with me to get some ideas, some personal ideas how to take that next step forward. That is my mission. That is why I wake up in, in the morning. And it is it is taking that first step. I have heard too many people believe that their their case is the is the one case that just has too many obstacles. They can't blow through it. And here's why it's money, it's time, it's circumstance. And we all have the capability of unleashing that epic version of ourselves. And it simply means learning how to get out of our own way. So um, I will share with your listeners, if you're interested in hopping on a a call, it will be with me. Um, Then uh, the the link is going to be posted in the notes, but it's bit.ly forward slash go epic now. So that's bit.ly forward slash go epic now. And I would love to be of service if I can. And this has just been amazing having this conversation with you. And maybe we'll do it again sometime with Skylar. <laughs> I hope so. I I was thinking that as well. And, and you know, I'm just giving you a heads up. I'm going to hop onto that link and schedule a strategy call. <laughs> I love it. With my twin sister over in Florida. Yes, <laughs> I love it. I love it. I love it. I love it. I actually um, have been working on developing. Part of what we do is not simply the inner game. It's the outer game. It's working on our businesses, growing our businesses. So I actually have this powerhouse team of two women who we became acquainted 
when they were they were podcast hosts and now their long-term clients were growing their podcasts and their business. So um, yeah, I, I would, I, you are my, you are my twin. So <laughs> connected for sure. Awesome. One last question before we leave, you know, as a trail angel, you're a trail angel and we've referred to that not, and Skylar's a trail angel. Yes. And you've mentioned a trail angel in your life. Um, is there any other trail angels that you would like to, yeah. to mention? And, and the difference that that individual made, that angel made in your life? There are, there are so many trail angels in our lives. Um, I'll mention two big ones, but th- there way too many to I, it would it would take us an hour to talk about all the amazing people uh, but one um that I'll mention is her name is Amalita she has become like my person my sister we did not know each other before this uh she that Chris the father called her knowing that she was from Colombia and she had uh connections still in Colombia she was my voice because I didn't speak Spanish and we discovered that we both knew energy. And so we worked that together. Um, I, I just, I can't begin to say enough about her. And then there have been another group of Sky's friends from Yale who actually put together a trust for Skylar a couple of months ago in celebration of the fifth year anniversary um, and have been managing it and raising money for her so that if the day should come when I, if I only live to be 107 and she lives to be 110 or something and she needs that, um, it'll be there for her. So there's so many different ways that, and, and then there, there are mentors who have inspired me and to learn what I know in business and be able to grow things. There are people who just shower us with love. So it's all about community and being there for other people. You have no idea the power and difference you can make when you do that. We are stronger together. Yes. And, and that just is another testament of who you are and who Skylar is that these friends of hers would set up this trust to make sure that it's managed correctly, that she will be, be taken care of. And um, I just want to thank you again for taking the time to join us on, on Trail Angels in becoming a part of, of the Care in the Load community. Because really, life is meant to be connected. We're not yeah. meant to go through life alone. We're here to do it together. Friends, thank you for joining us today. We hope that you've enjoyed our conversation with Meredith Alexander. Each of us have a story to share. Author Brene Brown reminds us that owning our story is the bravest thing you will ever do. The stories and experiences our guests share inspire us as well as help us to grow and connect with others. We invite you to become a part of Care in the Love community through social media, as well as to share the site with those you know. We are stronger together. Keep caring.